This morning we want to welcome Pastor Allison as she preaches, so let's welcome her as she comes. Thank you, Mike. Can you hear me? No? Can we get this a little louder, please? Let's see. Oh, that's much better. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Allison, and I am the executive pastor here at the River. It's really good to be here with you this morning. So as you just saw in that awesome uh, video that Amelia made for us uh, last weekend, about 50 members of the church spent the weekend together in the Catskills for our summer retreat. It was a wonderful mix of reflection, connection, rest, and fun. I highly recommend if you're able to try to make it to one of our upcoming retreats, whether it's a one-day retreat here at the church building or an off-site retreat like this past weekend. I really enjoy our weekly Sunday services, but there is something special about extended time set apart for the purpose of connecting with each other and with God. I always come away from these times together feeling so incredibly grateful to be a part of this wonderful community. There are so many special moments throughout the weekend, but one that really stood out to me took place during our final session. Caroline Park, who, by the way, uh, will be preaching here next Sunday, so get excited for that. Um, anyhow, she led the adults in an exercise that helped pull together the content uh, from the entire weekend. And so she asked us to stand in a circle, and by one by one, each of us shared statements about who we are as individuals. These statements embodied our complexities and contradictions, our strengths and weaknesses, our joys and sorrows, our triumphs and our failures. We offered these truths to each other vulnerably and without judgment of ourselves or of one another. And in doing so, we created a space that, for me at least, felt sacred and where God's presence was palpable. Thinking back on that experience, I'm reminded of a quote from Rachel Held Evans in her book, Searching for Sunday. She wrote, church isn't static. It's not a building or a denomination or a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Church is a moment in time when the kingdom of God draws near, when a meal, a story, a song, an apology, and even a failure is made holy by the presence of Jesus among and within us. I love this definition of church. Fundamentally, it's not about a physical structure, a legal entity, or a religious institution. Instead, it's about the presence of God in our midst. If you look into the etymology of the word church, you'll find that one of its root words means to swell. I think this is such an interesting way to think about church, as a place or a moment in time where it feels like God's presence swells. Now, of course, as we've discussed in some of our recent sermons, God's presence is always in us, with us, and around us. 
However, while God is omnipresent, there are, for each of us, moments in time when this reality is more tangible, when it's easier to grasp and to recognize, when God's presence appears to swell. This, for me, was one of those moments. Part of what was striking to me about that moment was that it was a space we created together. Caroline set the exercise in motion, but there was power in the communal willingness to see and be seen, to hear and be heard, to hold and be held. Moments like this can happen in settings like retreats, but they can also happen anytime and anywhere. And each of us has the power to help facilitate these kinds of sacred experiences in whatever settings we may find ourselves. Rachel Held Evans put it this way, ultimately, all Christians share the same calling. According to the Apostle Peter, we are royal priests invited to show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Whenever we show others the goodness of God, whenever we follow our teacher by imitating his posture of humble service, our actions are sacred and ministerial. To be called into the priesthood, as all of us are, is to be called to a life of presence, of kindness. Isn't that interesting? Do you often think of yourself as a royal priest? Most of us probably do not. Uh, but this quote is talking about a theological concept called the priesthood of all believers. This idea, one of the foundational concepts of Protestantism, is drawn from 1 Peter 2.9, which says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. According to the priesthood of all believers, all of us equally have the ability to connect with God and to minister to one another. Some Protestant denominations take this idea so seriously that they do not designate any formal leaders. Now, there are plenty of good functional reasons for having official leaders in a religious community, although I admit that as a pastor myself, I may be a bit biased on this point. Um, but that being said, while it can be helpful to have spiritual leaders, it is important that we never let ourselves believe that they, and I'm talking about myself here, are somehow more worthy or more connected to God by virtue of their position. No. As Brian McLaren puts it in his book, Naked Spirituality, our religious leaders are human beings like us, often doing the best they can, and even then, making plenty of mistakes along the way. Some religious traditions, including some sects of Christianity, view religious leaders as mediators between the people and God. But the Christian Bible does not support this view. According to Matthew 27:51, at that moment when Jesus died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. 
The curtain being referenced here was the one in the temple in Jerusalem that covered the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the innermost sanctuary within the temple where God's presence was believed to dwell. The only person who was allowed to enter was the high priest, and even he was only allowed to enter one time a year. But things radically changed when Jesus died. At the moment of Jesus' death, the Spirit of God ripped the curtain in two and flooded out into the world. Access to God's Spirit no longer needed to be mediated by the high priest or by anyone else. God's Spirit was and is with the priesthood of all believers. God's Spirit was and is with all people and in all things. If clergy people are not intended to be mediators between their congregations and the divine, then what role are they meant to play? Rachel Held Evans had some interesting thoughts about this. She wrote, I often wonder if the role of clergy in this age is not to dispense information or guard the prestige of their authority, but rather to go first to volunteer the truth about their sins, their dreams, their failures, and their fears in order to free others to do the same. This idea is so interesting to me that choosing to go first can be a gift to others. We often hear about the spiritual virtue of being last. We talk less about the merits of going first not out of a sense of impatience or competition, but rather as a way to set the tone or to pave the way for others. Sometimes it can be easier to join in once someone else has broken the ice. Have you ever experienced that to be true in your own life? I know that I have. Also, do you know that where the phrase break the ice comes from? Interestingly, there are boats called icebreakers that are specifically designed to break ice blocks and create clear paths for other ships to sail. I had no idea that such a thing existed until I was researching for this sermon. I love this image of a clergy person as an icebreaker. Those of you who know me know that I love a good icebreaker game. But in all seriousness, This is why I try to be open and honest about my own life with all of you. It's why, for example, I'm willing to share about the spiritual doubts and questions on my mind, about my health struggles with depression, endometriosis, and infertility, about my personal experiences of loss and grief, about my history of religious trauma, and so on. My hope is that as I share, I can make it just a little bit easier for you to open up about your own experiences of pain and struggle. As willing as I am to go first for the benefit of others, I don't believe that this role should be taken on by religious leaders alone. Going first is something we all have the ability to give to each other. And it can be a beneficial practice around more than just sharing our authentic selves, as important and meaningful as that is. 
Countless times during the retreat last weekend, I saw members of our community give the gift of going first. It was a gift when the first person at the dinner table said, tell me your story to those sitting with them. It was a gift when the first person in the room signed up to participate in our talent show, Rivers Got Talent. It was a gift when the first adult said yes to including youth in the game of mafia. It was a gift when the first person in this small group offered to share vulnerably about their experiences. Each of these actions set the tone for inclusion and gave others the courage to join in. We all have the power to be the first to notice, the first to include, the first to question, the first to speak up, the first to break patterns, the first to go against the grain, the first to accept others, the first to embrace our own humanness. And equally as important, we all have the ability to join in, to follow the lead of those who go first, assuming we like where they're headed. We honor their gifts of bravery by responding in turn. Sometimes we underestimate how important this is. But if you've ever been the first one to put yourself out there, to go out on a limb, then you know what a relief it can be to have others join you. In the example I shared earlier, Caroline went first. She initiated the exercise. But each person in the circle took the risk to join in. And in doing so, we created something beautiful together. In today's sermon, I drew examples from our church retreat, but the gifts of going first and of joining in are ones we can offer in a multitude of settings, whether it be with family, with friends, with coworkers, and so on. God's spirit is certainly with us in all of these places and in any others you can think of. And as members of the priesthood of all believers, we have the power to help usher in a swell of unconditional love wherever we may be. So as Mike mentioned earlier, after the service today, I will be hosting chat with the pastor up on the second floor. Whether you're new to the river or have been around forever, uh, I would love for you to come join me. We'll spend some time getting to know each other, uh, discussing today's sermon, and then opening up the conversation to any faith questions that might be on your mind. We'll have pizza lunch available. Uh, the basement downstairs will also be open for fellowship and pizza uh, will be available there too. So we'd love if you would stick around. So as I end today and invite the worship team back up here, uh, feel free to come up. I'd like to share some final words from Rachel Held Evans. She wrote, ultimately all are commissioned, all are called. All belong to the holy order of God's beloved. We are about to enter into a time of worship, and as we do, I hope that the meaning of these words will really sink in for each of us. So let me end with a prayer. God, as we leave this place today, help us remember that you are with us at all times and in all places. 
Remind us that you are always seeking to help us experience you in new life-giving ways. Fill us with the thoughtfulness and courage we need to bless others by choosing to go first. And free us to give the equally important gift of joining in when others pave the way for us. Let each of us remember that we are commissioned, that we are called, that we belong to the holy order of God's beloved. Help us to recognize the times and places where your presence swells and empower us to co-create these kinds of sacred spaces together with each other and with you. Let us never forget that the curtain has been torn in two and that nothing can separate us from your unconditional love. I pray these things in the name of Jesus.